the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, good afternoon. Happy Monday to you. Rainy and chilly as it is, but we're happy to be with you here for The Ride Home. Uh, It was a big week last week. Uh, We were at three separate events last week. Uh, Last Sunday was the 250th anniversary of First Presbyterian Church downtown. Then there was the prayer breakfast on Friday morning at uh, Heinz Field. And then on Saturday afternoon, uh, we uh, found ourselves at Bethany Baptist Church in Homewood with Pastor Bill Glaze and his excellent congregation. Yes, it was the ribbon cutting ceremony for their brand new sanctuary. Which was terrific. And what a fun time that was. Oh, my gosh. We had such a good time. Yeah, it's we did. such a warm and welcoming congregation. Loved every second of and it. And there were people from all over the place there. Great music. I really enjoyed it. Holy smokes. Wasn't the music great? Yeah, it sure was. Loved it. I Powerful. mean, the music was really terrific. Yep. Yeah, we were with uh, the hoi polloi, weren't we? Yeah. Rubbing shoulders. We were with the hoi polloi. How about you know, when you stand up and like you're called, you did a little wave. I know. I did a little wave there. I know. I don't, I don't really know what else to do there. <laughs> you know, just it's kind of funny. I know. It's kind of funny. Anyway, great week. And happy that we are with you here today. A, a, a powerful show here in the yeah, next few hours. I think so. We're going to talk mm-hmm. about um, J.K. Rowling mm-hmm. in today's show. Uh, she, of course, became a multi-millionaire after uh, her incredible genius that produced the Harry Potter series, Mm -hmm. which is one of my absolute favorites. Um, But when things started to heat up in the conversation around transgenderism, J.K. Rowling was one of the early people who weighed in and said, wait a minute, um, being a woman means something. And it's not just imagining, you know, you're a woman or thinking that inside you're a woman, but you know, we've worked hard for the rights of women, yep. and so we need to stick to them. And boy, she became hated like overnight. Yeah, well, uh, our, our guest is going to basically say, depending upon uh, w- what decade it is, you can see who's hating J.K. Rowling. Isn't it? Because when she first came out, of course, he took a lot of heat from Christians. Oh, are you kidding me? Right? It was like... the, the Harry Potter thing was an enormous story. Yep. And Christian schools didn't have Harry Potter in the school libraries. I'm sure a lot of Christian schools still, still don't, don't yeah. have Harry Potter in their school libraries. Um, but now it's not the Christians that are hating on J.K. Rowling. Now it's the, you know... I would say the activist community yeah. is hating mm-hmm. on J.K. Rowling now. So, yeah, so we'll talk about that during the 5 o'clock hour. Uh, at uh, 4.40 today, uh, we are going to talk um, – what are we going to talk about here at 4.40? Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, with Carl Truman. Uh, always a pleasure to have Carl yep. Truman with us. Very interesting guy. 
and uh, from Grove City College. I always look forward to engaging with Carl. Yeah, Carl's been writing uh, a lot in the past, I don't, I don't know, maybe two years on identity. Yep. And the new book that came out about that time uh, ago, boy, it's become an enormous hit. Mm-hmm. It, has, it has sold incredibly, not just across the country, but around the world. And so uh, Dr. Truman will be kind enough to come in and talk about issues related to our current view of identity. What it means that we keep searching for it, what it means that we continually try to um, change our body to meet our mind, as opposed to the philosophy of generations before, which was change What's your mind to meet to your body. What's happened to us as a society? Yeah. So and we're then shortly, that. we're going to go to the White House, as we always do every Monday. All right? And there's no pirate game. Yeah, aren't you a little disappointed? There? I was really hoping they were going to win yesterday. I know, because I thought if they that would be three sweeps in a row. be 21 wins. Yeah. Would be a but great... he he got lit. Oviedo got lit up. Yeah, he did. That's, I think he gave up all seven of those runs. Looked rough, right? Yeah. I mean, the Pirates have been hitting so well, so it's a kind of turnaround's fair play, I suppose. I'm just right? not used to them losing. Exactly. <laughs> it tells you Which what is you really can get weird, used isn't it? To. It really is. Yep. All right. So without further ado, uh, it's a Monday. Let's go talking about the news cycle because there's a lot going on. Calf, please give us the uh, top four at four. For Monday, May 1st, 2023, number one, First Republic Bank was teetering for weeks before it was seized early this morning by regulators who then accepted a bid from banking giant J.P. Morgan Chase to acquire almost all of its assets. Reading here from CBS News, um, the move is leading a lot of people to ask questions about what happens next. Um, The story of Silicon Bank we're familiar with. And similar to that, a significant share of First Republic's deposits, John, were uninsured because they exceeded the $250,000 insurance protection that was offered by the FDIC. And when you have a bank like that, they're more susceptible to bank runs because depositors get nervous and they hear what's going on and so they start taking out their money. Um, Bank executives revealed that customers had withdrawn more than $100 billion during a panic last month. Hundred billion, and so they just couldn't, up shop. Couldn't, couldn't recover from yeah. that. Um, a bunch of banks contributed thirty billion dollars in March to prop up the bank. J.P. Morgan Chase, one of them. Um, J.P. Morgan did buy the bulk, as I said, of the company's assets um, and has acquired ninety-two billion dollars in insured and uninsured deposits. We'll talk with Greg Clugston live from the White House about that. What that means for the financial system across the nation, coming up in just a little bit. Uh, a fascinating story in today's New York Times about Jeffrey Hinton, who was an artificial intelligence pioneer. Back in 2012, John, he and two of his grad students at the University of Toronto created technology that basically made AI possible. Okay. Uh, today, though, he officially joined a growing chorus of critics who say that companies are racing toward AI and it is a danger with their aggressive campaigns to create products based on generative artificial intelligence like chat GPT. He quit his job at Google, where he worked for more than a decade. He became one of the most respected voices in the field, who's now able to freely speak out about the fear and the danger of AI. He said part of him regrets his life's work. Really? Yeah. It, you, it's a long story. It has a lot in it. I highly suggest you go to read that about Jeffrey Hinton. And so he's Dr. Times. Frankenstein. 
He kind of is. Mm -hmm. Yep, that is exactly right. Number three, when Johnny Carson retired from The Tonight Show after 30 years, one man was determined to make the set, you know, the actual physical set, part of his collection of television memorabilia. It is among a dizzying number of items from James Commissar's collection that are being auctioned off, (laughs) including the bar where Sam Malone greeted customers on Cheers, to the pink confection Barbara Eden wore in I Dream of Jeannie, to the set from Archie and Edith Bunker's living room from All in the Family. Although that's Smithsonian worthy. Yep. Tools used to cook meth on Breaking Bad. (laughs) Barware from Mad Men, costumes from Star Trek, stuff from 1960s Batman, a thousand lots. Live bidding June 2nd to 4th in Dallas. And number four, well, from everything I read in here, people are giving the Steelers an A in their draft this year. And along with that, Pittsburgh Pirates have 20 wins on the season. And that's your top four at four. Very nice. Okay, so... The coverage of the Steeler draft I can't is stand ad nauseum, right? I'm, I'm so over right? it. I mean, if, hour after hour after hour, I mean, if, if you're so inclined to that, I mean, who knows, right? I mean, it's it's just all a, a catch-all. It's we, a you have no idea. Shoot. Right. And the fact that people, do you know what came out today? Hmm. Mock drafts for 2024. Oh, my gosh, please. Stop I it. am not making that up. Now, who has enough time or interest to possibly Some do that. Some people do, I guess, I could, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. I just can't. All right, so we I wish everybody can't. well that uh, the I'm draft picks work out and the Steelers look good and, you know, they pick up a few wins. That's a long way away. Football season's a long way away. How but, about next year's draft? Yeah, that's even longer. It's outrageous. All right, enough of that. We're going to take a quick break. We'll reassemble and we go to the White House. Greg Clugston from SRA News will join us, bringing us up to date about the goings-on in and around the nation's capital and across this great country of yours and ours. Stick around. It's the ride home. Pittsburgh's Christian Talk here on Word FM. 101.5 WORD. As God's plan unfolds in the book of 1 Samuel, tensions are escalating between King Saul and David. But David finds a true friend in Saul's son, Jonathan. Join us for a closer look at loyalty, security, and steadfast love this week on Truth For Life with Alistair Begg. Tomorrow morning at 6 on 101.5 WORD. Moms, wow, aren't they special? Doesn't that word just warm your heart and make you feel loved? Hi, it's me, Marcia, from the Springhouse, and I am so blessed to get to work side-by-side with my mom every day in our family business. And right now, my mom and I are planning for a special day for you and your mom on Mother's Day. Every year on Mother's Day, we barbecue chicken quarters over the open pit outside with our secret butter sauce. Baked beans, corn pudding, coleslaw, macaroni salad, ho-ho cake, and more will bound inside to go along with that tasty tender chicken. When I was a teenager and we first started cooking for crowds, all my mom wanted for Mother's Day was for us five kids to help get ready to make this a special day for our guests. So bring your family and come hungry to enjoy the wonderful farm fresh meal that we started all those years ago. Oh yeah, live music and free cones for moms too. Let us share a little of our farm with you. The Springhouse in 84 PA, 724-228-3339 or springhousemarket.com. Wesley Financial Group is not a law firm. This story is called The Ugly truth about timeshare if you think you've done your family a favor by buying a timeshare you need my help 
Hello, I'm Chuck McDowell, CEO and founder of Wesley Financial Group. Ten years ago, I started helping folks cancel their timeshare. In the process, started what's now called the timeshare cancellation industry. Timeshare is the only thing that you can buy that you can't tell me how much it's going to cost or when it's going to end. When you buy a timeshare, you give them a blank check to fill out any amount they want for annual maintenance and assessment fees. The crazy thing is, this never ends. Even when you die, your family's now going to be stuck with this burden. Stop the insanity today. Call my office now. If we take you as a client, I guarantee we'll cancel your time share or you'll pay nothing. Call for your free information kit. 800-626-5252. That's 800-626-5252. 800-626-5252. This is Tim Seckler inviting you to tune in each and every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. right here on Word FM 101.5 for the Life and Legacy Show, sponsored by my law firm, the Seckler Law Firm. Each week, we'll talk about your family's well-being as it relates to elder law, nursing home stays, estate planning, and keeping your hard-earned savings. And if you missed the Life and Legacy show, you will find it archived at secularlawfirm.com. See you Saturday morning at 9 a.m. right here on Word FM 101.5 for the Life and Legacy show. Every Monday, we go to the White House where Greg Clarkson joins us from SRN News, where Greg Clarkson is the White House correspondent. Hey, Greg. Happy Monday to you. Happy Monday. John and Kathy, good to be here as always. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Greg, uh, the financial news isn't looking so hot. Uh, the failure of another bank. Um, interesting story that, you know, uh, was it a month ago? A bunch of banks put $30 billion in to try to prop up the bank. And today the failure was complete. Right. It's called First Republic Bank. It's based out in California, has 84 branches um, around the country. And, you know, it's interesting because you're right. They did have uh, outside uh, institutions, you know, pour some money in to try and stabilize things. But we learned last week uh, from First Republic Bank that during the month of April, some $100 billion was withdrawn from First Republic Banks. So even though tens of billions were put in, uh, it wasn't quite enough to offset what was a real big outflow uh, from from bank deposits there. And so over the weekend, you had federal regulators uh, seize the bank and uh, they worked over the weekend to find a buyer. And J.P. Morgan Chase is now the new owner of First Republic Bank. The good news is for anybody who has deposits at First Republic, they have access to all their deposits today. All of their deposits up to $250,000, for example, are are insured by the FDIC, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. So uh, it looks as if uh, things are, are stable with that situation right now. The, 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 uh, the CEO of, 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 of Chase, Jamie Dimon, says, you know, he says, is it possible that there still could be more bank failures down the road? Yeah, that's always a possibility. But he feels like the the more immediate crisis that we've seen over the last few weeks here maybe has come to an end, at least for right now. Good. So the perfect storm here, from what I'm reading, Greg, is that this is a California high-tech bank. And so lots of money in there from, you know, the, the web uh, sector. And that's kind of what made it vulnerable in a way, because there was so much money. And, of course, the tech industry is vulnerable as it is. Right. And I also heard some analysis earlier today, John, that uh, this was not a situation where the bank um, had made really bad loans um, and or they had made, you know, um, 
unwise, you know, financial decisions. It was it was this sort of storm of high interest rates and uh, and and then also the effect of the the tech industry being um, a little unstable right now. And so you had uh, two or three of these forces come together at the same time that really then sparked a little bit of uh, fear. And that then forced some people to withdraw some of their deposits right. uh, at a at a at a pretty high clip, mm-hmm. and then all of that together just spelled disaster for the bank as it turned out. So uh, hopefully, hopefully, you know, these bumps in the road that we've had here for the last six or eight weeks uh, have have been dealt with in in a good way, and that moving forward we're okay. Obviously, there's still concerns about you know a possible recession. The Fed is going to be announcing uh, on Wednesday another likely uh, uh, interest rate increase, and so. The, the economics of all of this uh, is not going away anytime soon. Fascinating and and kind of frightening to think, though, about how J.P. Morgan Chase, uh, the country's biggest bank, has gotten even bigger. Right. And there is concern there um, from a lot of banking regulators and other business analysts and other uh, observers who who don't necessarily want to see the biggest of the big continue to grow mm-hmm. and have the smaller and middle-sized banks um, essentially wiped out because they they serve a real important purpose in terms of uh, not just local um, accounts for uh, everyday Americans, but also small businesses in their local communities, which can benefit from having those relationships with smaller and medium-sized banks. So um, I don't think anybody really wants to see them completely gone, of course. Greg Clarkson joins us from the White House. So, Greg, uh, over the weekend, the White House, the annual White House Correspondents' Dinner was back up and running again in uh, full flourish. Uh, Please tell me, uh, were you there or not? You know, I was there, but I have to tell you a little bit of an asterisk next to my uh, participation this year. I did not go as a... uh, you know, as a as a guest, you know, as as an atten- an official attendee, as a correspondent, I was actually, I was, <laughs> I was actually working oh. on Saturday in the White House press pool, uh, and so we track with the president, which meant that when he went to the dinner, uh, the the thirteen of us in the in the uh, press pool went along. So uh, we did not sit and eat the dinner, oh. but we sat there for the entire dinner. Oh, oh that's <laughs> you know. That's rough. Okay, uh, from your perspective, sitting there and watching other people eat uh, and speak, were there highlights or lowlights? Well, you know, it's it's always this strange mix of of politics and Hollywood. It's always been this way. Well, I shouldn't say always, but it's been this way for the last twenty twenty five years or so. And I've attended a number of these um, over the years. Um, so it is you, you do sort of get a little used to the spectacle of of uh, you know celebrities mingling with uh, with journalists, and then. Not only just the TV, maybe journalists or other prominent people that you uh, you see, uh, but then just a, a lot of other journalists, you know, whether they work in radio or print and maybe not as high profile as some of the big TV uh, personalities and, and news reporters, that kind of thing. Uh, so, I mean, I was sitting where, where, where the pool, the press pool was sitting. We were sitting near some of the ABC news tables. So hmm. we saw, for example, the CEO of Disney, which owns ABC. Bob Iger was there. Um, Kelly Ripa and her husband were sitting at a table right in front of us. Um, so you, you see all kinds of people. It's amazing. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So was the evening fun? Was was yeah, there was it, humor? Or was it biting? Well, you know, it, it's a combination of all those things. And, and you know... There, there was there was a little more of a somber attitude, I would say, uh, this year, be, simply because you've got the Wall Street Journal reporter, yeah. Um, yeah. Evan Gershkovitz, who has been is imprisoned in Russia, and so there, uh, his his uh, members of his family were there. Oh, and really? Also members of Aust- of um, 
Austin Tice mm. is someone who has been uh, he's been missing in Syria for more than five years. Uh, his family was there as well. And they those family members met with the president uh, and the first lady prior to the beginning of the dinner. Really? Um, and so there were there were references not only by members of the White House Correspondents Association, but also by the president in his remarks talking about efforts by his administration uh, to free those that are uh, wrongfully detained, as well as those who have come home, including Brittany Griner, the WNBA star, the, the Olympic uh, basketball player uh, for the women's team in the U.S. She was at the dinner. And so there was this reference to those who have been held against their will uh, in Russia and other countries around the world. But at the same time, there is always comedy. There's always humor. The president had some uh, some good lines in in his remarks. And Roy Wood uh, from the comedy from Comedy Central and The Daily Show. He was uh, the he was the comedian and was the headline guest. Hmm. Very interesting, Greg. Uh, this is kind of a personal question, but from your perspective, I mean, I'm sure you have a different viewpoint on the Evan Gershkovich case. It seems more personal to you because this is your line of work than it does for uh, John and I and our listeners. Can you let us in a little bit on your thoughts? Sure. Well, you know, he's a reporter. Uh, he, from what my, from my understanding, um, loves that region of the world, yeah. loves that and, and doesn't only report on 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 politics coming out of Moscow, but on 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 what's happening in Russia, the Russian people and culture um, and has and has loved being and working there for The Wall Street Journal. He is, of course, charged with spying, with espionage. He is imprisoned right now. And, uh, you know, we've seen this situation before when Russia in particular has detained and wrongfully accused Americans and others. Uh, and so, you know, it was it was a good story with Brittany Griner in the sense that yeah. she was ultimately released and has come back to the United States. But in the meantime, she was she was behind bars for 10 months. Uh, that's a long time. And um, obviously, we don't know what the situation with Evan Gershkovich is going to be uh, and others. But obviously, there was a big spotlight that was put on these kinds of situations. At yeah, the yeah. And have we opened Pandora's box? Because since we dealt, you know, we traded the arms Griner. dealer for Brittany, for the arms dealer for Brittany Griner. Now, is it, gonna, is it going to be open season on U.S. journalists around the globe because nations think that they can, you know, get their people out of prison and in trade? You know, Kathy, that's always an open question when there are either trades or deals arranged between the U.S. government and foreign governments when they have to deal with prisoners um, or wrongfully detained uh, individuals. Um, it's it's the position, it's the formal legal position of the United States not to pay ransom, for example. But obviously there have been uh, arrangements and deals that have been made for these kinds of exchanges. Um, and and as every administration will say, uh, each individual case is an individual case, and they deal with those particulars uh, with 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 each individual case. And uh, it's just hard to hard to say whether or not one leads to the other because there always are a, a number that are being dealt with. But the president was adamant in saying that uh, his administration is working hard to bring them home. Very good. Live from the White House, we're speaking with Greg Clugston, who is the SRN News White House correspondent. So, Greg, speaking of the White House, uh, last week, of course, uh, President Biden threw his hat into the ring for a second term. Uh, talk to us about that. It wasn't a live announcement. It was a video announcement. Yeah, the video announcement came out on Tuesday, the day after we talked last week when we were anticipating this official announcement. And so, yes, Joe Biden at the age of 80 and the current 
incumbent president of the United States makes it official. He is running for re-election in 2024. Uh, he essentially is running unopposed. You've got a couple of people like Marianne Williamson and RFK Jr. who are running essentially symbolic campaigns as Democrats uh, against him. But this is a, a decision by this president to uh, to run again. And with when you look at the polls right now in terms of on the Republican side, and of course, a lot of time between now and the primaries next year and, of course, uh, before Election Day in 2024, but um, right now, the 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 runaway leader on the Republican side uh, remains to be Donald Trump. And so that is setting up the possibility of a 2020 rematch. And there's not a lot of appetite across the country when you look at the poll numbers for another Biden Trump um, election ballot. Uh, but that's what it's currently shaping up to be. We'll have to see what happens with uh, with Joe Biden's campaign in terms of uh, how it's going to look um, since he's now in office and then running for reelection. It's interesting, too, because the age factor came up at a press conference uh, with the visiting South Korean leader last week at the White House. And he was asked the president was asked point blank uh, about his age. And he said, look, it's it's a legitimate question. He has told people, just look at me and watch. But a lot of people have said, well, we have looked and we have watched. And, uh, you know, there, you, it looks as if there's a very managed White House schedule uh, for this president, um, they, they keep a good distance from the press corps on on a regular basis. Uh, so the age factor, I think, is going to be a question that's going to be uh, sticking throughout the entire campaign. Isn't it a curious evolution to think that we have more than fifty percent of the U.S. population that is not interested in either one of these people running for president? But here we are. But here we are, and the parties—it's like they're—they have no muscle to prevent it from happening. Right. And, you know, I think we mentioned this poll last week, the NBC News poll that came out a week ago, 70 percent, seven in 10 Americans say that they don't want Joe Biden to run for reelection. And that included uh, a slight majority of Democrats who felt that way. You know, uh, and on the age thing, it was kind of funny. Roy Wood Jr., the the comedian at the White House Correspondents Dinner on Saturday, uh, he was saying that we should be inspired by what's going on in France. You know how they're riding in the streets because the retirement age is going up two years to 64. And he said, here in America, we have an 80-year-old man begging us for four more years. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. Well, Greg, uh, speaking of age, mm-hmm. uh, we know something's coming up this week for you. Yeah, big day for you on Wednesday, Greg. Is it true? Now, how did you guys know? We know, you know. I keep Greg. records, Greg. <laughs> I know. We we talked about this last year, right? The the May birthdays. That's yes. right. Yes. You're Wednesday. Yeah. I'm Thursday. Very and then nice. I'm the week after. Very nice. Mm-hmm. You're the week after. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah, big that's... plans for Wednesday. Taking what are the day they? off? Well, it's going to be, I have to say, it's going to be a little bit different this year because we have um, our our youngest of three graduating from college this Excellent. coming weekend. Oh. Uh, and uh, I think I have maybe mentioned before he's going to school in Nashville. And so we are going to hop in the car starting on Wednesday to uh, to drive down to Tennessee. And we're going to be uh, out of town for a few days Very nice. uh, for that. So well, first gonna, of all, congratulations. Spend... That's exciting. Thank you. I'm going to spend half of my birthday uh, uh, driving on the interstate. So, well, well, that's a dream come true. All right, have yourself a bag <laughs> of chips and some iced tea, right? Yeah. The good news is, though, that's one right. more graduating off of the Clugston payroll. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So that is uh, that's a birthday gift all in itself. Indeed, indeed, it is. <laughs> well, enjoy, Greg. We really appreciate you, and hey, we wish you happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Well, thank you, and to you, John, this week, and thank we'll you. catch up uh, soon with you, Kathy. Very nice. Greg Clugston, SRN News White House correspondent. Information about uh, SRN News, wordfm.com. Of course, uh, Salem Radio Network. Greg Clugston, excellent job as always from the White House.
There's no denying it, gold is hot right now. Prices are soaring, and experts are predicting even more to come. Not so long ago, gold reached its all-time high of $2,069 an ounce, and now it's inching even closer to that number again. Bank of America, one of the largest banks in the world, is saying gold will rise further still to over $2,200 an ounce later this year. Well, gold is already a safety net for your hard-earned money, and now when the stock market is all over the place and the value of the dollar is uncertain, being safe really can like never before. Noble Gold Investments is offering a 5-ounce America the Beautiful coin for any qualified IRA. A solid silver U.S. Mint issued coin celebrating our national parks free with every qualifying precious metals IRA or 401k rollover. You can't go wrong with Noble Gold Investments. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com and use AIN as promo code to get a free silver coin. That's noblegoldinvestments.com Investing involves risk. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Diabetes high blood pressure, anxiety meds, everyone's on them. If you're a 50-year-old male, maybe a bit porky, and you may even have type 2 diabetes, a million dollars of term insurance may only cost you about 200 bucks a month. Call Term Provider. Speak with Big Lou at 800-333-1750. Big Lou will find a term life policy for you even if you have type 2 diabetes, are overweight, or have high blood pressure. Term Provider has helped thousands of people like you who think they can't afford term life insurance. To buy a million dollars of affordable term life for you. All you need to do is call Big Lou at 800-333-1750. Lou will make sure the scales are tipped in your favor. Call 800-333-1750. Big Lou will answer your call and work to fit you into a term life policy that you can afford. Remember, Big Lou's like you. He's on meds, too. Call 800-333-1750. 800-333-1750. Terry Wardenis here from the Gateway Clipper. Celebrate Mom with a family aboard a Mother's Day cruise, sailing Sunday, May 14th. All moms will receive a special gift from all of us at the Clipper. For reservations, visit gatewayclipper.com. Roofing, siding, or remodeling? Want it done right, call, doing it right. 724 New Roof. We are everywhere. On your radio at 101.5 WORDFM Pittsburgh at wordfm.com, the Word FM mobile app, iHeart, TuneIn, and Odyssey. Studies show decades of increased taxpayer spending per student has failed to improve educational performance. Can't we do better? Pittsburgh's Christian schools say we can. If you're looking for a safe environment for kids to learn, challenge, and grow, where character matters and academic excellence is served by highly qualified teachers who partner with parents, consider Christian education. Right now, local Christian schools are offering half-price tuitions for first-time enrollees while they last at wordfm.com tuitions. Cloudy and cold tonight with showers. Tonight's low 36. Cloudy and breezy tomorrow with a brief shower or two. Remaining cold with a high of 41. Breezy tomorrow evening, otherwise mostly cloudy and cold. Temperatures approaching the record last reached in 1986 with a couple of showers. Low 35. Low clouds Wednesday. Breezy, cold, a passing shower. High 47. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. This Saturday is the coronation of King Charles. Now, the last coronation by his mother some 70 years ago, England was certainly a different country than it is today. The world was a different world. Yes. 
uh, immigration is is massive in England. Uh, one in six people are born outside the country. Wow. And uh, millions and millions from the uh, the former kingdom, Pakistan, India is the most um, populous immigration group. But Poles, Czechs, you name it, uh, they are there in um, in England. Now, during his televised address to the nation the night after his mother's death, uh, King Charles talked about his particular responsibility to the Church of England. I'm reading from Religion News uh news services. Uh, It, as the church, he says, the church in which my own faith is deeply rooted, and um, I intend to stay rooted to this church throughout my kingship. A week later, at a reception at Buckingham Palace for leaders of several faiths, he said, quote, I am a committed Anglican, and at my coronation, I take an oath relating to the settlement of the Church of England. But, he added, that he has a duty as a sovereign to protect the diversity of our country, including by protecting the space for faith itself. He went on to say, I hold myself bound to respect those who follow other spiritual paths, as well as those, as well as those who seek to live their lives in accordance with secular ideas. Well, that's a dicey position to be in because he's the head of the Church of England. Yes, he is. But he represents all England. But he's the head of the Church of England, mm-hmm. which is why having a state church is complicated. Yes. But his mother was unflagging. In her, in her commitment to the church. And devotion to it. The Church of England, uh, meanwhile, has issued a book of prayers asking people to pray each day between Easter and May 6th for the king with reflections on different elements of the ceremony and explaining its symbolism. Hmm. The book also encourages people to pray for the nation and the world. Its uh, compliers might also have asked people to pray for the Church of England, an institution no less than the monarchy, whose future will be the subject of much discussion this week in England. Uh, Will you be watching it, John? No, I I don't think so. Uh, It would be early, early, early broadcast. Listen, I'm going to record every minute of the thing. Yes, I am. Because I think that whole pomp and circumstance, the incredible longevity of that empire, man, I am checking. That's just pageantry at its finest. Mm Mm-hmm. You're not going to watch it. I'm I'm shocked by that. Well, it, shocked. Well, it leaves me a little hollow. I mean, the king and the now the queen and the shoddy treatment of Princess Diana and that whole, yeah. and, and Prince Andrew yeah, and Jeffrey bad. Epstein. Yeah, that's bad. And these guys Did over you see the revelation, now, revelations about Epstein over the weekend? Yes. How many other people were involved? Gigantic it, names. Like enormous names. Right. The it, whole thing the woman who was high up in the in the Biden administration, yeah. uh, the former CIA director. Right. And they were all involved with him after he had already served. Yep. After he came out of jail. Yeah. I mean, they they knew what he was. I don't know. I don't know either. All Lexi, will you watch any of this coronation? Definitely not. Uh-huh. Definitely Intr- not. Now, what do you mean definitely not? That has no, no. That has no interest for you. No. Not a, not. I don't care at all. Wow. And I think that's probably true for most in people in England of a younger generation. Didn't you watch they're, they're just, Lord of the Rings, Harry in. Potter? Like you, you don't feel a debt to the British Commonwealth at all, Lex? There'll Not always really. be in England. Nothing. Nothing. There will always be in England. That's yes. why you watch on Saturday because yeah. that's what that might be. you have to see it. The Royals, though. I'm not saying I love it's a the Royals. bunch, isn't it? It is. Okay. I think you're both slightly I, if, disappointed. Hopefully, it's not going to rain on Saturday, and I'll be out cutting the grass. 
101.5 WORD. You cannot love anyone, let alone God, with all your heart without spending time in His presence. Dr. Michael Youssef. Listen to me. You cannot love someone by having secondhand information about that person. It is not only difficult, it is possible. Learn more this week on Leading the Way. Tomorrow morning at 6.30 on 101.5 WORD. Doing it right, roofing, siding, remodeling. Specializing in roof replacements for churches and places of worship for nearly 40 years. For the church roof replacement specialists in Pittsburgh and the surrounding area, call 724-NEW-ROOF today for a free quote. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Inflation is pushing up the cost of just about everything. But life insurance actually costs less today than it did a few years ago. Now is the time to get the insurance you need. Call Select Quote and we'll help you save more than 50% on term life insurance. You can get up to $2 million in same day coverage with no medical exam. Call Select Quote at 1 800 646 9595 or go to selectquote.com now. That's 1 800 646 9595. Full details on example policies at selectquote.com slash commercials. Quote based on healthy, non smoking 30 year old female with a 20 year term policy rates may vary. Eligible policies and estate planning tools can vary by state. It's a busy life. You have enough to worry about. So here's a great way to check life insurance off your list. It's called Ethos. With the thought of medical exams, forms to fill out, and the cost, it's easy to see why life insurance can fall to the bottom of your to-do list. But at Ethos Life, we've got your back. For about a dollar a day, you could get a quarter million dollars in term life insurance without a medical exam. Just go online, answer a few health questions, and snap, family protected. You could get a quote in seconds, apply in minutes, and be covered in hours. No medical exams, no blood tests, no hassle. Right now, with your purchase of an eligible policy from Ethos, you'll get something else important to your family. Tools to create a legal will. A $449 value, yours free. Ethos, the 100% online, hassle-free way to get affordable life insurance. Get your free online quote now at ethoslife.com. That's E-T-H-O-S life.com. Roofing, siding, or remodeling? Seven two four new roof. It's getting harder and harder to make sense out of today's headlines. To stay on top of breaking world and national news with a Christian worldview and a faith-based perspective on what it means, turn to ChristianHeadlines.com. Log on to ChristianHeadlines.com for the very latest news, and then sign up for our free daily newsletter to stay one step ahead of what's happening. Get out of the mainstream media rut with top news and positive headlines every day with ChristianHeadlines.com. Let's face it, we love Alexa, and we'd love to let her find your favorite radio station. This one, of course. She could find us easier if we taught her a simple skill. To get started, simply say, Alexa, enable the word Pittsburgh skill. And after she confirms, you can then say, Alexa, play the word Pittsburgh. That's all you have to do, and Alexa will learn how to find us. You can listen to us through your Amazon Echo, Echo Show, Echo Dot, and Amazon Tap devices. Alexa, what is your favorite radio station? That's easy. Word 101.5. 
I have a, a good friend who is not a believer. And um, any conversation about religion, theology, uh, generally makes him angry at first. Um, and, and then he acquiesces and uh, we kind of have this conversation. But his worldview essentially is this, that I, I don't need a God because I know that things are going to be okay. Now, I think a lot of people think that way. Or I don't need a God because things are going to be a mess and that's how it's going to be. Well, Dr. Carl Truman's back with us in his regular slot. Dr. Carl Truman from Grove City College. And Carl, uh, your review uh, of a recent new work, I should say, a new work, sort of bears in some resemblance that things are a mess and we're not always going to follow along that things are going to be okay. Fair to say? Yes. Yeah, the book is uh, Feminism Against Progress by the English writer and intellectual Mary Harrington. And she's really looking at, at where feminism has gone wrong and how technology has uh, come to dominate the way we think about this world in a way that is really uh, leading to some very, very unfortunate and uh, um, terrible consequences for a lot of individual human beings. So let's break down a little bit of uh, Mary Harrington's point of view. I think maybe starting here would be helpful, Carl, and talking about whether we acknowledge this, the strictures that our body puts on us or we deny that they're there. Yes. Uh, Mary, I think, would say that she's what's called a sex realist feminist, which is a feminist uh, who takes... The, the constitution of a woman's body, the constitution of a man's body, and the limitations that uh, brings in its wake as, as fundamental to who we are as individuals and respect for which is fundamental to human flourishing. Uh, particularly, in, in, she, she begins the book in a very interesting way. She talks about how she was a sort of queer feminist until she had her daughter. And when the daughter was born, she, she couldn't get over the fact that the daughter was still part of her body, which is a sort of a, a traditional kind of feminist mantra in many ways, except Mary gives it this very interesting twist. Because she still considered the uh, baby to be part of her body, she realized that she was naturally obliged towards the child, uh, to bring the child up, to protect it, to care for it, etc., etc. So she had a responsibility there. Yeah, she understood that there is such a thing as biology, and biology actually has what we might say a, a moral quality to it, that uh, when a woman gets pregnant, she has an obligation to that which is in her womb. When she gives birth, she has an obligation to the child. And the man who gets the woman pregnant and uh, the man who is the father also has an obligation because of his biological connection to the child. Yes. So that's like the, de the dependency argument um, that you would hear in regards to abortion, that because the fetus is dependent on the mother, that it puts onto the mother a natural responsibility, a yes. moral responsibility. Yes. And the child is not regarded as a parasite because the child is actually part of what one might say the woman's body is meant to produce. Mm-hmm. So then that idea of child, mother, and father, which has been, uh, you know, the, uh, the way of life since eons, is what would also be considered progress theology in a way, right? That there is this unit that creates for the betterment of the child, the betterment of the family, the betterment of the community, the state, the world, things will get better based upon all those things moving forward. Well, the, what Mary talks about when she talks about progress theology is, is what she really thinks of as the myth of progress, that technology promises that it can deliver us from these things 
and that will actually massively improve a lot of human beings. Mm. So being able to have sex without the risk of pregnancy, being able to have an abortion when one uh, becomes pregnant but doesn't want to be pregnant, these, in, within the sort of progress theology that she's talking about, these are liberating things. And she's come to repudiate that, partly because uh, of the egregious results of that kind of thinking, catastrophically low birth rates, beginning to think of babies as, as things rather than persons. So she's very much against progress in that sort of sense. The myth that the uh, that uh, you know, technology will deliver for us uh, a better world in and of itself. So, isn't that interesting that our that our dependence and celebration of technology can somehow separate us from the responsibilities that having a body would in, would in, would put upon us? Yes, I mean, I think it comes down to this kind of question: you know, does the world have a natural shape that has moral uh, implications or, or brings moral uh, uh, conditions or qualities with it, or is it just Play-Doh? Te- technology teaches us to think of the world as Play-Doh. But if the world does have a moral shape, then playing with it as if it's Play-Doh is going to prove disastrous in the long term. And I think that's Mary's point. Her idea is you know, the world actually does have certain limits and certain moral shape. That technology allows us to transcend that uh, is is creating terrible, terrible problems. And she talks particularly about uh, the transgender issue, uh, where she says that the technology in, in sort of gerrymandering our bodies so that we be born a man but believe we can turn ourselves into a woman turns the human body into what she she describes in a rather memorable phrase as, as meat Lego. Just uh, a piece of meat that could be chopped up and rearranged in any way we wish. In that kind of world, the human body ceases to have any significance in and of itself. And interesting, I think, about what Mary's doing here is she realizes that's wrong. That's not working out. When we start to treat the material world as just a lump of Play-Doh, we end up with some fairly disastrous results. Dr. Carl Truman with us, Department of Biblical and Religious Studies at Grove City College. His latest book is called Strange New World, How Thinkers and Activists Redefined Identity and Sparked the Sexual Revolution. Carl, let's take our, our current uh, conversation about Mary Harrington and light, and put it maybe in a more Christological sense and talk about the incarnation. So the person of Jesus took was a body. He took on a body. Um, what does that mean for us? And how does that, I don't know, give us a different or larger perspective on these issues of identity and body? Yeah, it's very interesting. And, and one of my points I sort of push on in the review of Mary's book is to say, I think she needs a religious foundation for what she's saying. Her instincts are right, that bodies are important. But, but why are bodies important? Well, my answer would be because God created human beings as embodied people. It's not uh, that you inhabit your body or I inhabit my body as I might inhabit a spacesuit. Our bodies are who we are. Uh, how do we know that? Well, one of the ways we know that is looking at the incarnation. Uh, the gospel is not simply about forgiveness of sins. The gospel is also about resurrection of the body. Christ's work is not completed until he is resurrected. We will not have full communion with God until the day of resurrection when our souls are reunited with our bodies. So I would say 
Christianity would provide Mary Harrington with a, a good solid framework for the kind of claim she's trying to make because Christianity really emphasizes that we are our bodies in a very, very profound way. Our bodies are not tools. Our bodies are not extraneous added to the kind of spooky real earth. Our bodies are us in a very deep way. Yes. So just as Mary Harrington was surprised by giving birth to her baby and seeing her body and her baby as extensions of cells, uh, who knows what surprise may be in the future if the gospel would find her way through her family. Yes, and I believe uh, that she now uh, attends regularly an Anglican church. You know, I've been corresponding with Mary a bit. Uh, mm. She attends an Anglican church. So I'll be very interested to see how... Uh, Mary's thinking evolves over the next few years because I think she's beginning to see that uh, really she needs a solid metaphysical theological foundation for, for what she's intuitively recognizing as true. I sure hope she finds that, Carl. It should be interesting conversation, correspondence, as you say. Yes, she's a very delightful person, and, uh, and her book is... I would certainly recommend it to any of you listeners, uh, Feminism Against Progress. Don't be put off by the title. There's a lot there that I think Christians will really resonate with uh, uh, and can draw from positively. Very nice. Carl, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for your scholarship and for your time here that you share with us. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. Dr. Carl Truman from Grove City College. Uh, he was talking about a book from Mary Harrington and his book, Dr. Carl Truman's latest book, uh, Strange New World, How Thinkers and Activists Redefined Identity. Uh-oh. Going through the bills? By the look on your face, it doesn't look good. No. Oh, hi, hon. Just trying to keep things covered. And with these increasing credit card interest rates, we barely get ahead on what we owe. Not to mention the monthly bills and the loan we had to take for the car repairs. We're not alone, though. Jen told me they wouldn't have survived without accredited debt relief. And now they're debt-free. Hmm. Accredited debt relief? Yeah, she said they were amazing and gave them a solution that reduced their payments by over 40% and had them on a path to be debt-free in less time than they thought possible. If you owe more than $10,000 in credit card debt or other unsecured debt, you may not have to pay it all back. If you qualify, there are programs available to you right now that could significantly reduce what you owe. A hotline has been established to call Accredited Debt Relief to see if you qualify. The call is free, so call now. Call 800-939-5050. That's 800-939-5050. 800-939-5050. When you order food for work on EasyCater.com, we've got your back. Real humans are here to help with your order every step of the way, making sure everything goes right, even behind the scenes without you knowing, confirming and double confirming with the restaurant that everything is on track. If there's a problem, thanks for calling EasyCater. Call us anytime, day or night, and we'll answer in seconds. We're right here with 100,000 restaurants, working hard to ensure the food arrives on time and is ordered. Order 24-7 at EasyCater.com. Whether you own a local business or a global one, you know that these days, generating growth is a challenge. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll not just stay ahead of the curve, you'll move it. With access to experts, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter, locally and globally. Visit BankofAmerica.com slash Banking for Business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Copyright 2023 Bank of America N.A. I'll never forget my first pair of Jordans. I mowed neighbors' lawns all summer to save up because I was certain those Jordans were going to make me touch the rim. But then the new shoe blister, to which I gritted my teeth and kept wearing them because blisters go away. 
but brand new Jordans are forever. It's Ryan from United Faith Mortgage, and this is exactly like buying a new home right now. Interest rates are higher, an annoying short-term blister, but home prices have come down quite a bit, creating a big opportunity. Because interest rates can go away, but the price you pay for a new home is forever. We've got hundreds of listeners buying their dream home now, while prices have dropped, with a plan to refinance the interest rate blister down the road. We have a direct lender advantage that can often get you a better rate, and we provide a $1,000 lender credit at closing to all our radio friends. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Mortgage Corp, Melbourne, New York. And a blessing 1330. That's the Department of Banking and Securities. Mortgage Lender License 22672. Happy spring. But get your bug-stomping shoes on. Because here in western Pennsylvania and many areas throughout the Northeast, the invasive spotted lanternfly, lanternfly is emerging once oh. again. Uh, the next generation of the plant-hopping and crop-destroying pest has hatched in 16 states across the northeastern United States, which includes us. The invasive bug can wreak havoc on plants and trees, could eventually threaten the American wine industry as they develop into vibrant moth-like insects. The spotted lanternfly, which actually doesn't fly but is a leaf-hopping insect, believed to have arrived from where? China in 2012. <laughs> China. Mm-hmm. Uh, the life cycle of the spotted lanternfly begins in mid-spring. They are closely related to the cicada family, primarily live in trees. The insects consume the sap of up to 70 different plant species oh, during the life cycle, particularly fruit trees. As they eat, they release a sticky, sugary substance called honeydew that increases the growth of mold and attracts wasps and ants. This is all from the USA Today. Great. Too much of the bugs feeding can weaken the tree and ultimately cause it to die. They're very pretty. Have you seen them? Oh, yeah. but Okay, but so so we have to stamp them out. Stamp them. And if you see the egg clusters. Yeah, stamp them too. Crush those as well. Here's another thing mm. I noticed by trying to do it mm. is if you go, if you try to stamp on them from behind. Behind the egg or the, the lantern the, fly? The lantern fly. Like sinking up on them? They'll fly away. Oh, really? But if you go straight on they can't see you really mm -hmm. interesting lex you're shaking your head you've had uh first-hand experience with the lanternfly yes um so a big thing about them is that when they do hop they can't really do it again for a while mm -hmm. is what i've learned so you can let them hop initially and then on that second one you can go and like squish him second hop mm -hmm. squish yeah, yeah. Okay. You get a t-shirt that says that second hop squish <laughs> i'll make it <laughs> i like that I mean, uh, between... I hate to do that because. No, sorry. Okay. Sorry. There's no right. What? Uh, fruit. So there's be no peaches. Yeah, that's what I mean. No. I, I feel like it. it right. We have to do it. Everything. We yeah. have to do it. So between that and the stink bugs, which is like one thing after another that's invasive to us. Yeah. And of course, the muscles in the legs. Right. Right. All that. The whole zebra thing. muscles are a Oh, they're the worst. Mess. Yeah. They're an absolute mess. Everything's invasive. Yeah, I guess mm -hmm. so. Mm -hmm. All right, we need to step away. But right. oh no, we don't step away. No, no, we do. No, we don't. I mean, we're, we're going to step away in, in a minute and a half when it's oh, top oh, of the okay. hour. I was thinking we had another break. No, this is it. Lex, we're, we're, I, I thought we would. It's Monday. Let me talk. This about is how the clock works. This <laughs> is what here. happens here. 
I would like to tell you, though, what's coming up in the 5 o'clock hour, because at 5.10, Samuel James will be with us. We're going to talk about J.K. Rowling, who was a media darling when she wrote the Harry Potter series and beloved by the left, kind of hated by the right, or hated, or was treated suspiciously by the right because the books magic. were seen as you know magical and anti-Christian, that sort of thing. Now that she has come out in favor of biological women and defending the place of women in society, now it seems that the tables have flipped, so mm. we'll talk about that. Also, does this make sense coming up? And the Warner Brothers commissary menu from 1942. If you've never thought that food went through trends, if restaurants went through trends, this will prove to you forever that we're stuck in our little chronology, wherever that is. Mm-hmm. And... Let's see where people were stuck in 1942. Mm, What will the waiter deliver? Stick around. We're Pittsburgh's Christian Talk. It's the ride home here on 101.5 Word FM. That's W-O-R-D. One hundred one point five WORDFM Pittsburgh, on your smart speaker by saying "Play the Word Pittsburgh," and on your phone via the Word FM mobile app, iHeart, TuneIn, and Odyssey. Eric. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. Federal regulators seizing First Republic Bank and sold all of its deposits and most of its assets to J.P. Morgan Chase. During an investors' conference call, J.P. Morgan CFO Jeremy Barnum says First Republic Banks will be open as normal today. First Republic clients can bank as usual and feel confident that their deposits are backed by the strength and security of J.P. Morgan Chase. First Republic, the third mid-sized bank to fail in less than two months. A Missouri judge blocking a rule that would restrict access to gender-affirming health care to children and adults. St. Louis County Circuit Judge Ellen Rapato issued a temporary restraining order blocking the Republican Attorney General's emergency rule on transgender health care until a lawsuit challenging it is resolved. Stocks are now lower. The Dow is off 38 points. This is SRN News. This is an urgent announcement for anyone that's $10,000 or more in debt. Before you make another minimum payment, you need to know there are special programs that can completely free you of your debt. Total Financial Freedom can help you become debt-free in months instead of years. Resolve your credit card debt, signature loans, department store cards, internet loans, and timeshares. Call now at 800-533-6605 for a free consultation. For 16 years, Total Financial Freedom has helped thousands get out of debt. You can feel confident when calling because Total Financial Freedom is A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau. Battling for years and years stuck in the endless cycle of minimum payments could take decades. You have the right to get your debt resolved and substantially reduce your monthly payments. Call Total Financial now at 800-533-6605. That's 800-533-6605. 800-533-6605. Looking for some extra income? Get competitive pay and flexible hours as a school bus driver with A1 Transit, providing safe, reliable, affordable transportation throughout the tri-state since 1989. Perfect for retirees. This fun, family-run company offers free CDL classes and a sign-on bonus. Must be 24 years or older to apply and must complete a background check. A1 Transit in Lawrenceville. To apply in person, call 412 781 170. That's 412-781-6170. People always ask me, why should I call Mr. Rooter Plumbing? Here's why. 
Our owner, Bob Beal, learned plumbing from his father who started plumbing in 1964. His father taught him to do it right the first time, and that's what Bob passed on to all of our plumbing technicians today. If you need a plumber, call Mr. Reuter. Always available for big and small jobs. Plus, mention you heard this ad on Word FM and receive 10% off your next service with us. Call 412-Reuter2 today. Whose rulebook do you want to play by, the government's or your own? This is Jay Hagerman of Abernathy and Hagerman. Without a proper estate plan, many families end up playing by the government's rulebook and losing a lot of what they'd intended to leave to their families. That's why Abernathy and Hagerman presents free, ongoing estate planning workshops with attorney Dan Reimer to help you protect what's yours and make sure the government plays by your rules. The next one's happening soon. For details and to attend, visit a-h.law. Rama Christian School is enrolling now. Rama is a private school in Moon Township serving children in preschool through eighth grade. Recognized for its commitment to a biblically integrated curriculum that nurtures a Christian worldview and academic excellence, Rama aims to develop the whole child spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally, and socially. Rama is a true community of families who desire to raise up the next generation of godly leaders. Also offering programs for homeschool families. For tuition and enrollment information, visit RamaChristianSchool.org. Cloudy and cold tonight with showers. Tonight's low 36. Cloudy and breezy tomorrow with a brief shower or two. Remaining cold with a high of 41. Breezy tomorrow evening, otherwise mostly cloudy and cold. Temperatures approaching the record last reached in 1986 with a couple of showers, low 35. Low clouds Wednesday, breezy, cold, a passing shower, high 47. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, it's Monday. It's a new month. It's May 1st. Uh, a little shout-out to my youngest. Happy birthday. He turns 23 Happy today. birthday, Quinn. Happy birthday. We love you, Quinn. Hope you're enjoying a happy day. Well, he's not really. He's taking okay. two finals at Penn That's State. The essence of an unhappy day. Mm-hmm. So I think they were over at mm-hmm. four o'clock. They were over. Yeah. It's also May first is also International Workers Day, uh, which is a communist uh, sort of you know socialist um, type of thing. It's also May Day, so around the Maypole, right? That doesn't seem like a lot of entertainment to me. May, my mom was the May Day Queen. Oh, Grace well, that's Maloney. great. Yeah, I get a picture of her standing there and, you know, the maidens walking around the pole. Oh, I, I love that. What do you I think that really is? I don't really get the pole. I don't either. But it's May. It's May 1st. About? A celebration. Is that, is that like a pagan thing? Kind of like the celebration like of the solstice? Listen, my mom's not a pagan. <laughs> she knew Jesus. Don't be calling her a pagan here, okay? I didn't say She was mom. the May Queen. All of a I sudden, like your mom just... was a pagan. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think it is? It's a pagan celebration of what? <laughs> yeah, just messing with you. I'm actually sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. The other day we were talking about uh, news sources on the air, and mm-hmm. um, I said, "What's your favorite news source?" And Lexi said that she likes NPR, mm-hmm. and I said I like the Wall Street Journal. Mm-hmm. And what did you pick? Uh, I think you picked the Wall Street Journal, or did you pick the Washington Post? No, I think no. you picked the Wall Street Journal. Uh, to be or, honest, you, I look. I, I you get, hate them all. Well, no, I love I love them all, but I yeah. also hate them all because. Again, I'm old enough to remember, you know, there was a time when you kind of had some confidence. I have no confidence, but I do subscribe to and get the New York Times. Now, say what you will. It's a hugely entertaining paper. 
Yeah. And I subscribe. But you read carefully. And get the Wall Street Journal. Mm-hmm. Everybody has a, pers- a, um, a, I would say, a preference. A relationship. Yeah. You de- if, you, if you read a news source over a long period of time, you develop an affinity for how they do things. Right. What the typeface looks like, how they print their stuff, what they're... The how style they, of reporting. Yeah. Right. And there's just some... It's just a personality thing that, that appeal. Uh, but there certainly are... I think ways that you can objectively look at which how fair they are. Objectively, that's the yes. thing. Now, do you remember? Did you ever take? I took a class, like you know, maybe ninth grade, where they the teacher taught us how to read a newspaper, hmm. how to read a paper. So you know, now no one's reading the newspaper, but here's the front page of the paper. The most important story of the day is always in the right hand corner of the paper. Mm-hmm. That bears the weight. And then from that, everything flows. People don't teach journalism to young minds. Today. Well, and it's not like that online. No, of course it's not. No. But we went into deep conversations about the validity of the free press and how we should work that, how you look at the free press. And maybe you have questions about that because you would have questions about it today because it feels awfully shaky, mm-hmm. very deeply biased, left and or right. Does it not? We have a friend, David Aikman, who has been on our show oh. a lot of times over the years. He was the former Jerusalem correspondent for Time Magazine. When Time Magazine meant something. Uh-huh. Now, what is it? And in one of his books, I think it was The Mirage of Peace, David writes, and I wish I could remember the quote off, of my head, uh, off the top of my head because he says it beautifully, but it's in the introduction. And he says... Basically, this is the essence of it, that it's not uh, feasible to have unbiased news sources. Right. Everything's filtered. But he says, but I do believe it is possible to be fair. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like that's the way to look at it. From an insider's point of view, I I think he puts his finger on it, which is all of us are biased, every single one of us. But is it can we expect that the news source that we follow is fair? Well, now look, I mean, Fox News, that was their slogan for years. Right. Fair and balanced. Right. And now, based on the, the Dominion uh, voting, uh, the, 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 payout, the court case, we know that there that couldn't be anything further from the truth. Right. And of course, it's tragic. The New York Times. Are you kidding? They're me? often embroiled. The Washington Post, CNN, you oh, name it. Okay. Right. This is from AP today which also has its own baggage. Uh, This is from AP. When it comes to the news media and the impact it's having on democracy, nearly three-quarters of United States adults say the news media is increasingly politically, is increasing political polarization in this country. Hmm, Interesting. And just under half say they have little to no trust in the media's ability to report Mm -hmm. the news fairly and accurately, according to a new survey. The poll was released before World Press Freedom Day last Wednesday. Shows Americans have significant concerns about misinformation and the role played by the media itself, along with politicians and social media. I mean, Trump, by him saying fake news, fake news, fake news, of course, he spent his entirety of his life in New York City. You look at 
the New York Post, the New York Daily News, all those papers. The Star, the Enquirer. Super slanted. Not news, just entertainment. Right, it's just made up. So he was right about that, about fake news. More often than not, say what you will about about former President Trump. Yeah, but then he morphed that into whatever news reports were not flattering to To him him. were fake news. Which is is ridiculous and 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 that's where i think we all went south not just with trump but it was around that same time where all of a sudden we started feeding news from news organizations to consumers and just giving them what they wanted yep. and then when the subjects of the news didn't like what they were hearing about themselves didn't like the reporting about them they would label it fake and then the pandemic only made things about a thousand yep. times worse yep. because you couldn't trust the government. You couldn't trust the news media. You couldn't trust your friends or your family. The polarization is off the charts. And so here we are. Do you think the news media is to blame? By and large, yes. Yes. I think they're, they've shown themselves to be most interested in profit. And, and clicks. listeners. Yep. And clicks. So you, you, you put that, you put money in front of fair Accountable news, well, 100%. People aren't interested. And the news media, they are not necessarily interested. There was a time you could at least have a nugget of faith in the trust. I mean, look, look what happened in Watergate. Say you know, Woodward and Bernstein. Those guys dragged Richard Nixon out of the mm-hmm. uh, out of the White House. They, did. they exposed him for the fraud and corruption yep. that was perpetrated on us as American people. That was a bright and shining moment of investigative news journalism. Now... Who's there doing that? I know. No one. And of course, the the news deserts that we're focusing now, that we're having to suffer now, local news has all but vanished. Look at look at here in Pittsburgh. It's house fires and shootings. I mean, this, yeah. Television news is horrible. If it bleeds, it leads. Look at uh, the Post-Gazette. It's a shell. The Pittsburgh press is gone. The Tribune Review was propped up by a, a wealthy scape. They're pretty much hollow. Mm-hmm. So how do you... How do you embolden and activate good local fair reporting? Yeah, well, I don't, I don't know the answer to that. From a reader's perspective, the only answer is to read widely. That's the only answer, is so that you can kind of try to make a way through it yourself. But you could say I'm reading widely, and a lot of it's just you know, I know junk regardless. I know. Who do you but trust? What, what did what did we learn last week? And of course, the story is not complete yet about Tucker Tucker Carlson's departure from Fox News and the whole Fox News Dominion voting uh, story. I mean, what I've gained from it so far is a lot of those hosts on Fox did not believe what they were saying, but they were forced to say what they ended up saying about the election being stolen because their superiors and administration said, you better say this because we need the audience. Well, that is an an appalling misuse of the freedom that they have because all they're doing is manipulating the public trust. I mean, that's sickening. Look, I'm sure that there are tens of thousands of listeners right now hearing this program saying, look, I watched Fox News every single night at eight o'clock. That was my scheduled viewing. And now what are those people supposed to think? They're supposed to think what some crazy administrator in Fox News was telling Tucker Carlson or whoever what he should say. Okay, so now that Fox has been gutted at eight o'clock, people say I'm going to switch the channel and now my primary news source is going to be Newsmax. Great. Okay. well, I don't I don't know anything about Newsmax. People are hungry for something that they can hold on to. Yeah. But are you but are we hungry for something that's true or what supports our side? 
the last thing we need is a bunch of people telling us we're right about something if we're actually wrong. Right. Got that right. Is it possible, like David Aikman said, to be fair? That's what I'm looking for. We'll take a break. Come back. J.K. Rowling. We'll talk about her life. 101.5 WORD. Coming up on Insight for Living. We're just beginning life in the womb. God is making us, originating us in the private place as our mother was carrying us. There's no other exactly like me. Chuck Swindoll is talking about understanding the unique personality of those you love. This week on Insight for Living. Tomorrow morning at 8 on 101.5 WORD. Hi, I'm Olivia and I'm 11. Some people my age might think water in a basement's pretty cool. Who wouldn't want an indoor swimming pool? But my dad taught me a thing or two about homes. You mean all those times I talked about waterproofing. You were actually listening? Absolutely. I'm like Alexa. Okay, so how does JD waterproofing protect your home? By keeping water out of the basement so it doesn't compromise the structure of your home. And? By not giving yucky mold and mildew a place to grow. Pretty good. Dad, I wasn't finished. Oh, sorry. And JD waterproofing can save you money. Do tell. By saving you from having to replace your basement appliances from water damage. I couldn't have said it better myself. Got water problems? Don't cry. Call 1-800-VERY-DRY. J&D Waterproofing. 1-800-VERY-DRY. Let's see. If something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that's MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for health care can save the typical family 500 bucks a month. And that's huge, but it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The customer satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works. It's been around for more than a quarter century, and members have shared more than $3 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want to plan you're happy with, you can call right now and get a price within two minutes. A very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. 844-45-BIBLE. That's 844-45-BIBLE. 844-45-BIBLE. Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're looking outside of big corporate control. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something worth watching. The new Salem News Channel. Straightforward, unfiltered, in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. SNC is home to Dennis Prager, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Watch anytime on any screen, free 24-7. Find what you're looking for at snc.tv. You go back some 20 years, and the rise of the Harry Potter book series was a worldwide publishing phenomenon. It took an unknown writer, someone by the name of J.K. Rowling, to heights that were unimagined, multi-million dollars, and children from ages 7 to Mm -hmm. 29 Young adults, older adults, waited for that next edition to be dropped. Of course, the movies were phenomenons as well. Our next guest has been with us in the past. Um, 
Samuel James, uh, Samuel James, who is an associate acquisitions editor at Crossway Books. He also writes on his own about pieces. We found this piece on the Gospel Coalition, How J.K. Rowling Played Then Lost the Polarization Game. And uh, before Samuel James joins us, I'm going to read you a piece, uh, a little uh, section of what he wrote. He says this, um, The uber-successful Potter author has run the gamut of public perception from a transgressive witchcraft-normalizing genius in the early 2000s to a celebrity progressive in the 2010s to a hateful, dangerously transphobic bigot in the 2020s. Samuel says, as my friend Shane Morris once quipped, a lost time traveler in the early 21st century would just about pinpoint the year by asking who hates J.K. Rowling and for what. Samuel, welcome back to the show. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Yeah, that's shockingly accurate. Uh, What can the story of J.K. Rowling tell us, first off, Samuel, about the arguments we've been having for the last 15 years? Yeah, it's a great question. When I started listening to the Witch Trials of J.K. Rowling podcast, uh, which is a very well-done program, uh, one of the things that became evident to me was that this was a story that involved very many threads. So it's not simply kind of one author who just you know hit it big and then generated pushback for uh, some of her views. I think that's kind of the story that a lot of people are aware of at this point, but uh, there's far more to it than that. Uh, J.K. Rowling, perhaps more so than, than any other contemporary novelist, really leveraged social media, the early forms of social media, like message boards and uh, chat rooms and things like that. She really leveraged that technology to kind of create this sense of identity and solidarity among her fans. And and one of the things that uh, the the podcast does is it interviews people who kind of grew up in this kind of digital fan culture, and they all say, yeah, these, these Potter websites were so important for us. Uh, and so one of the things that I think um, that we can take away from this story is that Rowling kind of understood early on the power of the Internet to kind of create this strong sense of feeling that this thing is good and we should be entitled to it and we should find each other. And it's that same mentality that has now kind of come full circle uh, to to cause issues for her, particularly with the transgender revolution. And, and you can't miss how the gender revolution uh, has been accelerated by the Internet in the same way that, that the fandom for Harry Potter was. So I, I think it's really a story about how even the, the technologies that we think we can use to our benefit uh, also come with some hidden costs we may not see until much later. So, Samuel, uh, you referenced the uh, the podcast, The Witch Trials of J.K. Rowling. Now, it, it's they're fascinating. I, I've listened to one episode, of which there are several, uh, narrated by former Westboro Baptist Church member Megan Phelps Roper. It, it's really interesting to sort of peel back the story of J.K. Rowling. Uh, for our audience, maybe who doesn't uh, who don't know the the more intimate details. The rags to riches story of J.K. Rowling sort of uh, also mirrored in the, the books themselves. Can you go back and fill in the you know the early blanks of J.K. Rowling's story? Absolutely, yeah. And she does a really great job telling her story on the podcast. So uh, J.K. Rowling was a, uh, a single mom at the time that she was working on this manuscript uh, for the first Harry Potter book, and she had experienced some 
pretty severe domestic abuse and was uh, uh, actively trying to flee kind of a, an abusive ex-husband. Uh, and so she was living on public assistance and uh, just trying to navigate a very uh, threatening life as a single mom. And and she wrote this, uh, this idea for this uh, boy wizard. Uh, she passed it on to a few different publishers and they all said, hey, you know, it's not really for us. And kind of her last ditch effort was uh, a contact that she had at, at Scholastic, and they took a chance on the book, uh, and the rest is history. It kind of exploded from there in a very uh, unexpected way from her perspective, as she says in the podcast. And uh, so not only did, did it kind of uh, alleviate her situation, at least financially, uh, it made her uh, famous. And she talks about in the podcast how, um, you know, kind of going from this this very intense life of just kind of living from public assistance to public assistance uh, gave way to, uh, you know, throngs of people outside of her house and helicopters that were trying to, you know, take footage of where she lived and things like that. Um, so, so yeah, that's, that's kind of the, the, the background. And, and you see that a little bit in the, in the Potter book, this, this idea of, and the whole series, this idea of kind of starting out with a lot of trauma and a lot of baggage uh, and then kind of ascending to something uh, that maybe you never thought you could become. And that, that theme is very much evident in her own life. So at that time, when the Harry Potter books are coming out, J.K. Rowling receives a lot of criticism from Christians, particularly in this country, who think who aren't mes- maybe necessarily acquainted with um, those that she took inspiration from J.R.R. Tolkien or C.S. Lewis, who uh, understood magic in a larger literary context with uh, a long and involved uh, literary genealogy. And so they looked at it. American Christians did a lot of them in ways that were, hey, this is talking about witchcraft. I don't want anything not to do with kids. it. Not my kids, not in my library. Um, and, uh, so JK Rowling, you know, initially suffered from that group. Absolutely. And the podcast uh, talks about that early on and, and how she kind of navigated this. She, she kind of described it as a very weird experience because there were, there were Christians who were saying that she was trying to recruit people to Wicca and to paganism. And she kind of just like laughs at that and says like, I, I don't even, I wouldn't even know how to do that if I wanted to. Uh, you know, this, this is, these are stories that are so, as you said, rooted in kind of these uh, commonly shared mythologies throughout history, and in particular when Tolkien and Lewis uh, and their influence shows up in the, in the series. Um, and so, yeah, you have this thing, particularly in the late 90s and the early 2000s, and I think one thing that is true is that a lot of American evangelicalism in the late 90s and early 2000s is kind of just unprepared for, for mass media culture and, and tween culture in particular. Mm-hmm. And so there, there's, there's a sense of reactivity of, of, okay, if something is this big, it must be bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, cause we don't know how to deal with, you know, millions of copies of a kid's book being sold. Uh, and so I think there was kind of this posture of suspicion, this posture of cynicism. And then I think one thing, Ironically, one thing that actually changed the direction for a lot of evangelicals on Harry Potter was the Lord of the Rings films coming out in 2001 and 2002, 
Uh, and so there was kind of a reacquaintance with this Christian tradition of mythology uh, through Tolkien, and I think that kind of changed things a little bit. But you, you see, you see uh, Rowling kind of dealing with this, uh, this dynamic where a lot of people uh, think she's trying to do something that she's really not. She's a, she's a storyteller. She's, she's just kind of rooted in these, uh, these shared mythological tales. Uh, but it's, yeah, a lot of Christians kind of thought that she was recruiting religiously when, right. when she wasn't. And, and so then all of a sudden there's J.K. Rowling. She becomes a worldwide phenomenon, of course, and the riches that came with that. So when she would speak, people were interested in what, what she had to say. And she had a lot to say about the books, about the plot of the books, and yeah. about the characters of the books, in particular on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah, she absolutely did. What, one of the things I talk about in the piece is that she saw and she leveraged kind of her characters and, and the plot line as kind of this uh, political metaphors. So there were occasions where she would give a speech or she would go on social media and she would describe one particular political candidate or party as Voldemort or something like that or Death Eaters. Mm -hmm. So she kind of just like using the, the evil characters from her stories as kind of these metaphors to describe political people on the opposite side of her. Uh, and the uh, kind of the apex of this was shortly after the final book released, um, she was she was giving a, a talk to I think it was Carnegie Hall maybe in New York, and and she just kind of in response to a question she kind of says out of nowhere that Dumbledore is gay, um, and so it, you know obviously that creates a lot of buzz and people are saying oh well you know this is this is good for gay equality or this is good for for the fight for gay marriage uh, when in, I, it feels like a very cynical relationship to her own work where there's, there's, I mean, it's not like that's a part of the story. Right. It's not like that. It's not like that actually furthers our understanding of the character in any meaningful way. And it's not probably an accident that she waited until the last book was published to say this, right. you know, but she had the advance and the sales already in hand. Uh, and, and I think that kind of her, her politicization, politicization of the stories is an irony at the root of what she's going through now, where people are kind of quoting her own characters back to her to say, how dare you tell uh, you know, someone who identifies this way that they shouldn't be able to live in housing with the other people of their gender identity. Um, you know, she's, she's kind of encountering the same kind of politic politicization of these stories that she has indulged in for several years. Right. She stepped in that. She certainly did. She just did. And so there's more of the story because all of a sudden you start to identify your characters with progressive or sexual mores of the time, and you just create a, a firestorm, which we'll talk about in just a few minutes. Samuel James is with us. Uh, he wrote a piece, How J.K. Rowling Played Then Lost the Polarization Game to the Gospel Coalition. And uh, we'll talk about this a little further because it's extremely topical and very newsworthy from a writer of fiction, what she's become. As a young adult, your college years, of course, are extremely pivotal. It's the time to discover who you are. And if you're fortunate and you are involved in Christian life, to discover your God-given calling in life. Because the world calls and says, oh, your college career is all about your future self and making your income to provide for your life. But of mm -hmm. course, life is much more than that. And there are limitless numbers, seemingly limitless numbers of colleges that will help your child down that path. 
to figure out how to make the, the most money, to right? To find the most jobs, all those sorts of things, all important things to consider. However, how many schools are there that are going to help your child prepare to go out into the world, to be an effective witness for Christ, to be a person who's able to work in their chosen field in a way that is a calling, whether they're being trained as a mechanical engineer or they're being trained as someone in business or an elementary school teacher, whatever it is, looking at that job as their vocation that is given to them by God and that God can work through them in a magnificent way because of their own individuality. How many colleges are going to prepare a child to look at it that way? That would be Grove City College. Eternal biblical truth in all the teachings, gcc.edu, Grove City College. The following is not an actor, but a real-life story from Trinity Debt Management. I'm Corey, and this is my story. I was going through some financial troubles paying off my credit cards. I was paying high interest rates, and it just wasn't getting any better. And I knew I had to do something. So my mom told me about Trinity, and so I decided to call. Trinity was able to do something that I couldn't. I'm paying off my debt. I'm saving thousands, and things are really looking up. I promise you guys, you will not regret it when you called Trinity because it was such a relief and less stress in my life and it was the best thing I could have done for myself because once I called Trinity they took care of me and I felt such a relief a weight off my shoulders Trinity was great to work with they wanted to help me I love it if you're in debt and you need help call Trinity at 1-800-936-5496 I'm Corey and I'm debt free for keeps 1-800-936-5496 Terry Wardenis here from the Gateway Clipper. Celebrate Mom with a family aboard a Mother's Day cruise, sailing Sunday, May 14th. All moms will receive a special gift from all of us at the Clipper. For reservations, visit gatewayclipper.com. Listen on your smart speaker at wordfm.com, the Word FM app, iHeart, TuneIn, and on Odyssey. In your car or at home, too, at 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. Cloudy and cold tonight with showers. Tonight's low, 36. Cloudy and breezy tomorrow with a brief shower or two. Remaining cold with a high of 41. Breezy tomorrow evening, otherwise mostly cloudy and cold. Temperatures approaching the record last reached in 1986 with a couple of showers, low 35. Low clouds Wednesday, breezy, cold, a passing shower, high 47. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. Samuel James is with us. He's an associate acquisitions editor at Crossway Books. He also writes at Insights. We'll talk about that before he leaves. But uh, we're talking about J.K. Rowling. Yeah, we're talking about the evolution of J.K. Rowling, in case you're just joining us. Uh, Samuel, we talked before the break about how... um, I'm kind of looking at this as like the part two phrase of J.K. Rowling. The first phrase, the first phase, I would say, is she comes out, she writes Harry Potter. She gets a lot of criticism from the conservative Christian community, especially in America, um, and says that, you know, she's progressive and she's trying to teach people Wiccanism and whatever. And you said that J.K. Rowling herself very shocked by that, saying I wouldn't even know how to instruct somebody to be a Wiccan. Um, I'm just following the, my literary predecessors who wrote about uh, magical mythology. So that that's part, kind of part one. I look at this as part two as uh, she starts, you know, I don't know if this was maybe around 2015, 16. She starts talking about 
her characters um, from the Harry Potter books. She starts likening them to certain political figures or putting them in opposition to certain political figures. She comes out, she says, Dumbledore is gay. Um, anyway, I hated that phase so much. Everybody, you know, has different phases. They, I hated that phase so much because I'm a real book lover. And I like a, what... When a book goes out there, I want it to be on its own. Yeah. I want it to live a life. I feel like I remember E.M. Forster, who wrote uh, Room with a View, he said that he didn't think that books should be signed, that like nobody should even know who wrote anything mm. because he believed that once a book was out there, it needed to live its own life. A life of its own. Right. Uh, apart from me, the one who wrote it. Um, I hated her weighing in constantly on Harry Potter because Harry Potter was a thing in my mind, in my imagination. I didn't want her messing it up. Uh, what do you say? I totally agree. I, I think we should make a distinction between, you know, authors who have their own kind of political worldview or their religious worldview, whatever it may be, and no one objects to that. Every, everybody recognizes that, you know, even authors that write books that we really resonate with may have uh, opinions that we strongly disagree with. And that's just part of living in this world, and that's fine. I I think the difference with her is that a lot of people have felt that she's taken a very cynical stance toward her work. Uh, And it's it's been almost a sense that she's been trying to kind of massage or manipulate public perception of who she was and public perception of what these stories really meant, Uh, kind, kind of by like courting this, a young emergent progressive wing by using this kind of language to describe you know people to the right of her and, and kind of infusing these stories with some kind of you know LGBT flavor that really isn't there but it's it's there if you want it to be there because now she says it's there um, so I I think that kind of cynical relationship with her work it, not to mention the fact that you know we now have these Fantastic Beast movies and a lot of extra Harry Potter material that's frankly just not very good and feels like a cash grab. So it's, it's like she's, she's kind of milking these stories for all their worth. And I, I think what we lose when that happens is that we lose a sense of what stories are for. Uh, stories are not meant to be an alternative reality that we can perpetually live in, mm-hmm. kind of this alternative metaphor for our lives. Stories are meant to kind of illuminate reality. Uh, when we stare deeply into great stories, into great fiction, great literature, it's supposed to make the daily truths of our lives come alive. It's not its not so much that we're supposed to leave our world and enter into this parallel kind of fan universe. Mm-hmm. It's that we're, we're better equipped to live the life that we have because of this story. And so I think her relationship for her work has actually made that dynamic harder uh, and Part of the effect of that is the opposition that she's getting right now uh, from people who want her stories to mean something that she absolutely doesn't believe in. Right. Okay. So then now here we are in this moment, worldwide fame, J.K. Rowling, a very wealthy, very um, uh, progressive woman. And she speaks out, for whatever reason, on issues of the trans community is a man, a woman, and all that back and forth. And all of a sudden, uh, there's a firestorm uh, and a new firestorm around J.K. Rowling. Yes. Uh, so so the, the big moment for her was, I think in 2017, uh, she took to Twitter and kind of tweeted her support of a 
uh, of a candidate, I believe it was, or a, a government official in England who had come under criticism for uh, saying that biological men uh, should be required to uh, live in biologically male shelters and that sort of thing. Sure. And that even if you're identifying as a woman, if you're a biological male, you don't need to share intimate bathing and living space with other women. Uh, and this particular person had gotten in trouble for those views and uh, Rowling went to Twitter and uh, went to bat for her and said, I, I stand with this person. And that just kind of unleashed a torrent of uh, vitriol and criticism uh, toward her that she's still navigating even to this day. And even Rowling has become kind of this um, <laughs> a little bit of like an unlikely conservative figure uh, in the sense that she is willing to be very bold and very clear. Now, she's not she's not conservative in the sense that she has a biblical worldview of gender identity. She's fine if adults do or identify as whatever, um, but she wants to keep spaces separate to protect women, appealing to kind of her own experience as a vulnerable woman and her feminism. Um, yeah, that's, that's been the big thing that she's navigated for the last few years. And now she kind of finds herself strangely aligned with many of the same people who in the late nineties and early two thousands were accusing her of kind of trying to undermine values. She finds herself in an unlikely alliance with those people against the people who, uh, really made her, uh, literary career what it is. Yes. So politics and culture wars make for very strange bedfellows. They do. Absolutely. So let's close out then because our time's almost up. So this part three of JK Rowling, uh, which is that she has become hated by, uh, the progressive wing, especially online, like she's some kind of moral majority leader. It's just very funny actually how it's happened. Um, so what do we take from this? Is this a, an instance of somebody who's just dipped her toe too deeply into the social media pool and is suffering the consequences? Or is the story really telling us more about us than her? That's a great question. I, I kind of want to cheat and say both, right? Um, so I think it does teach us about um, kind of the limits of how far you can kind of manipulate public image of yourself and your work. So Rowling really relied on kind of this online community that uh, really found her stories meaningful, kind of wanted to, to live in them as, as this kind of parallel universe. And she, she, she used that and ran with it, and it created this massive media empire on her behalf. Uh, and what happened is that the same generation that grew up online is, this, is the generation that has learned to think of themselves not as embodied persons, but as simply wills that can decide what their body needs or what it doesn't need. And so when you grow up online and the Internet kind of mediates your experience of the world, you don't have the same sense of yourself as an embodied person with a, with a given identity. I'm a man or I'm a, I'm a woman. Um, you have this sense that I can be whatever I want to be because I'm I'm just kind of projecting myself online and I can kind of 
customize and curate that identity the whole time. And I think that's a lesson for us as Christians is that when we're dealing with technologies that really shape our relationship to the world, uh, we have to be careful because the medium is the message. Mm. And it's one thing to say, hey, I'm, I'm only going to use like these technologies and these kind of cultural dynamics for good. Uh, but are you actually undermining Christian truth with the way you're doing it and the method that you're using? Uh, and I think what J.K. Rowling has found is that the things that she relied on to kind of build up uh, her own career and her own legacy uh, actually was undermining the things she was believing in the whole time. She just didn't realize it until it was too late. So I think that's one thing that Christian leaders in particular and pastors uh, would do well to think about very carefully. That's good. Samuel James is with us. Hey, Sam, uh, before you leave us, take a moment and uh, talk about your writing platform, Insights. Yeah, so I, I do have a Substack. I actually changed the name a few months ago. It's called Digital Liturgies, Thank which you. is uh, also the name of my uh, forthcoming book. I have a book coming out from Crossway in September called Digital Liturgies. Uh, it's about rediscovering Christian wisdom in an online age. Um, so that'll be available uh, online at bookstores in, on September 5th. Very nice. Digital Liturgies. Hey, Sam, uh, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for being with us. Thanks so much, guys. Appreciate it. Our pleasure. J.K. Rowling. Played, then lost the polarization game. Samuel James, it's at the Gospel Coalition. You want to find it yourself. WORD. The current school year is not even over, but Word FM is already talking about heading back to school. Back to school! If you've ever considered sending your child to a Christian school, but the cost was holding you back, check out the WORD half-price tuition deals now at wordfm.com. Send your child to a school that's teaching them the same values you're teaching at home for the full year, but only pay for half. See the complete list of schools now at wordfm.com slash tuitions. The following is not an actor, but a real-life story from Trinity Debt Management. I'm Corey, and this is my story. I was going through some financial troubles paying off my credit cards. I was paying high interest rates, and it just wasn't getting any better. And I knew I had to do something. So my mom told me about Trinity, and so I decided to call. Trinity was able to do something that I couldn't. I'm paying off my debt. I'm saving thousands, and things are really looking up. I promise you guys, you will not regret it when you call Trinity because it was such a relief and less stress in my life and it was the best thing I could have done for myself because once I called Trinity, they took care of me and I felt such a relief, a weight off my shoulders. Trinity was great to work with. They wanted to help me. I love it. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-936-5496. I'm Corey and I'm debt free for keeps. 1-800-936-5496. Are you a writer who's devoted your time to writing a book with Christian morals behind it but need help to get it published? Maybe you wrote a children's book, your memoirs, a devotional, or a mystery with strong moral values at its core. Covenant Books has helped faith-based authors publish, edit, and sell their books through Christian bookstores and major online book retailers. Plus, if you call now at 800-255-9500, we're offering a free writer's guide to help you through the publishing process. Our experienced and dedicated staff will review and notate your manuscript with an editor's eye. Then our page designer 
designers will format your book to create the appropriate experience for your readers. And if needed, Covenant's talented illustrators will bring your book to life. Most importantly, Covenant Books will help tell your story by printing, marketing, and distributing your book through specialty Christian bookstores and major online book retailers like Amazon, Apple, and many others. Covenant Books, let us help tell your story. For your free writer's guide, call 800-255-9500. That's 800-255-9500. Maybe you're an elder in a local congregation or a deacon wanting to serve your church more faithfully. Dr. Barry York on the Master of Theological Studies program at RPTS. The wonderful thing about the MTS degree is you can actually do it all online. So they can take the degree online and grow in that theological ability that will allow them to either teach or work more faithfully in their local congregation. Learn more about the MTS degree program and flexible online options at rpts.edu. Well, from current culture to a real throwback. Way throwback. John, you found a uh, a studio menu from the Warner Brothers commissary yeah. that was kind of circulating online. And uh, it is a copy of the menu from the commissary. That's another word for cafeteria. Mm-hmm. From 1941. Yes. And some people say that, you know, food or uh, clothes go through phases style-wise. You know, cars change style-wise yeah. as the decades go on. Shoes... Uh, that sort of thing, but food pretty much stays the same. Well, you know what, food no. doesn't. Food doesn't pretty much stay the same. No, the the tastes of people in Hollywood in 1941. Now, th- again, this is Hollywood, and it's the commissary. Mm-hmm. So, in, in reading about this menu, it was for everyone. So, you know, someone working in the costume shop or you know, Cary Grant would all gather and eat at the commissary. And so, as you might imagine, the commissary had to accommodate a wide range of tastes mm-hmm. and pocketbooks. So, the you can find this easily, the Warner Brothers Studio Cafe commissary menu. It's really interesting what they serve and what was available. It's a gigantic menu. It is a gigantic menu. And like you said, it covers people who have different economic means. It also... Uh, gives you a little glimpse into America because, first off, the hours of operation for dinner are 4.30 p.m. to 8 p.m. So nobody was eating dinner past 8 p.m. Mm-hmm. Well, hopefully you were, you know, you were done shooting for the day and I'm going to go home, right. right? Okay, when people are working on movies now, I bet they are not finishing by 6 p.m. so that they can make sure they get no. something to eat by 8. No, and you're meeting, generally you're eating, you know, on location. Mm-hmm. So every food, you know, every every caterer is on set, right? Right, there's not a restaurant in the world no. that closes at 8 p.m. Okay, so let's just go through some, and kind of highlight a couple of these menu items. Now, uh, as I said, a wide range of tastes. So if you wanted to start off with um, like an hors d'oeuvre, right? An antipasto salad mm-hmm. was... Uh, 55 cents. 55 cents for an antipasto salad. Or if instead I wanted to go with caviar, that was 95 cents. Foie gras. Which is immoral and appalling. It is. But available on the Warner Brothers Studio Cafe menu for 85 cents. Now, if you wanted to have a steak, you could have a tenderloin steak for 95 cents. (laughs) A T-bone steak was 75 cents. Um, What about if on the side you wanted... Stuffed celery. Now, can you <laughs> something so, my mom would make? So in it was probably like what? What was it stuffed with? Either 
peanut butter, or cream cheese and olives. Maybe, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, now that hasn't been on a menu in 50 years. Probably not, no. I mean, you could do omelet, right? Uh, two eggs to order, 15 cents. Uh, an omelet, a plain omelet, was 30 cents. Um, French fries were just 15 cents for an order of fries. But then the the, the main part of the menu is the specials, mm-hmm. right? So you could get all the other things. But this was the special for February the 17th, 1941. Um, the entree was Boston baked beans with pork and brown bread for 45 cents. <laughs> I mean, that screams working man, that doesn't it? That is incredible. Yep. 40. That is absolutely incredible. Or you could do baked sugar-cured ham with spinach, also for 55 cents. Southern fried chicken with corn fritters, also 55 cents. Uh, well, what if you decided to go with the... Wait, where is it? Hot chicken liver sandwich on toast for forty five cents. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Or the small veal cutlets that are in a saute. Yep. Now you wouldn't find a veal cutlet anywhere close to a Hollywood person. Not today. Today. No, Never no. in a jillion years. Nope. You uh, could also get consomme brunois. Now consomme is a word that has completely fallen out of the nomenclature on American menus. What is a consomme? It's a clear broth. It's kind of like chicken broth, I think. Okay. So for all the stars who are watching their waistline. Yes. I mean, right? I remember Jackie Kennedy. She had consomme for lunch every uh, single day. Right. And thin as a rail. Yep. Right? For 15 cents, she could have bought it, mm-hmm. purchased it at the uh, Warner Brothers commissary. Right. Uh, you could do a sandwich, right? A um, ham sandwich for 15 cents. Fried ham sandwich for 20 cents, an egg sandwich for 20 cents, tuna sandwich for 35 cents, toasted cheese for 35 cents. Not bad at all. Now, I also, if you got a sweet tooth, you can do an ice cream sundae, butterscotch ice cream sundae, 20 cents. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about, wait, what's the ice cream sundae? Well, they have a chop suey ice cream sundae. What Which is that all about? completely horrible mm-hmm. completely as does the salad which they were offering pineapple and cottage cheese mm. can you imagine getting that at a restaurant yes i'd like the pineapple and cottage cheese well, you, you would are get not... that down at the tiktok club now if you wanted to have a beer or two right a bottle of beer they call it a luxury bottle 15 cents for a bottle of beer mm-hmm. what is it at pnc park now 15 dollars <laughs> for a can of beer Fifteen bucks. Oh my god! A Miller's High Life, twenty cents. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, times have changed. A, a dollar doesn't go nearly as far, does it? You could also get as your drink not only your coffee, uh, tea. You could get buttermilk, mm. which nobody's drinking now. Well, no, people drink buttermilk. Okay, but nobody's drinking it in a restaurant. No, probably not. I mean, where are you seeing buttermilk on a restaurant no, menu? No. Spring uh, House. You think? Yeah. You can also get a glass of half and half for 25 cents. <laughs> <laughs> That's rough. Times have changed. That have changed, is it? rough. Yeah. Anyway, uh, look for it online if you're interested. I mean, it's uh, if you're a foodie, you, you like what people used to eat and what they paid for it. The St- Warner Brothers Studio Cafe, their menu from February the 17th, 1941. I mean, it, it's fascinating. How those uh, Hollywood elites ate then, certainly not how they eat now. Minced olives on toast? Oh, yeah, sure.
That sounds kind of good to me. Yeah, it's probably locale, too. For a bunch of years now, we've been telling our story on Christian radio stations across the country, meeting thousands of awesome people, like Lindsay here, who was nice enough to share this with her radio station. This is our dream home, and through United Faith Mortgage, we were able to make it even better than what it was. Ryan answered all of our questions. We never felt like it was too dumb of a question. They were so kind in how they responded and so quick, and they met all our concerns that we had. They were just a huge blessing to our family. You absolutely have to use them. They are the best. Over the last few years, most of our homes have boomed in value. If cashing some of that out would help you, whether for home updates or paying off credit card debt with much higher interest rates, we are United Faith Mortgage. On all refinances, we pay your appraisal fees up to five hundred dollars. United Mortgage Corp, Melbourne, New York. NMLS number thirteen thirty. Pennsylvania Department of Banking and Securities. Mortgage Lender License two two six seven two. Hi, this is Jason Hansen. I'm a former CIA officer and best-selling author on safety and preparedness. The fact is, things are getting downright scary for everyone who's storing their wealth in the banks. We just saw the collapse of three major banks, and I would urge you to consider protecting your wealth ASAP. If even a tiny percentage of Americans attempt to withdraw their savings, we would see a collapse of the entire banking system, sending us into a modern-day Great Depression. Fortunately, there is a way for you to avoid this. It starts with contacting Advantage Gold. If you have an IRA or 401k, Advantage Gold can help convert those paper assets into physical gold and silver. This is the process that I recommend everybody use as a hedge against rapid inflation and to protect your retirement wealth from the banks. Take control of your financial safety today. Call 800-900-8000 to get your free gold investment kit from Advantage Gold. Call 800-900-8000. That's 800-900-8000. Advantage Gold is not an investment advisor or a tax advisor. Consult with your financial advisor before investing. Call 800-900-8000. The following is not an actor, but a real-life story from Trinity Debt Management. I'm Corey, and this is my story. I was going through some financial troubles paying off my credit cards. I was paying high interest rates, and it just wasn't getting any better. And I knew I had to do something. So my mom told me about Trinity, and so I decided to call. Trinity was able to do something that I couldn't. I'm paying off my debt. I'm saving thousands, and things are really looking up. I promise you guys, you will not regret it when you call Trinity because it was such a relief and less stress in my life, and it was the best thing I could have done for myself because once I called Trinity, they took care of me, and I felt such a relief, a weight off my shoulders. Trinity was great to work with. They wanted to help me. I love it. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-936-5496. I'm Corey, and I'm debt-free for keeps. 1-800-936-5496. Ever since missionaries started to build churches out of mud more than 400 years ago in what was the isolated frontier of the Spanish Empire, Tiny mountain communities like Cordoba relied on their own resources to keep their faith going. This is a piece in today's AP. Thousands of miles from religious and lay seats of power, everything from priests to sculptors to paint pigments was hard to come by. So villagers instituted lay church caretakers and filled chapels with elaborate altarpieces made of local wood and varnished pine sap. Now, what they're finding is that these adobe churches, made essentially from mud, dwindling congregations, fading traditions, 
Some of the descendants are fighting to save these historic adobe structures from literally crumbling back to the earth that they were built Mm. with. Quote, our ancestors put blood and sweat in this place for us to have Jesus present. This is the root of my faith, said Angelo Saldova on a chilly spring day inside the 1830s Church of St. Anthony, where he serves as um, a, a lay pastor. We're not just a church. We're not just a religion. We have roots. And so from the local dirt, local dirt, they've made up the generations of family memories that they hold dear. These churches anchor a new Mexican, a new Mexican way of life for their communities. But there are apparently um, 500 Catholic mission churches that remain in northern New Mexico, most of them unoccupied. Oh, and if they're sad. not rescued, they will soon crumble back. Yeah, I know that it's an issue in New Mexico, especially around Santa Fe, where they have really strict building codes because they want Santa Fe to remain as authentic as possible. But to build in that type of uh, manner and to save the buildings that are already there is requiring a tremendous amount of money. And so the people living there, their taxes are going up and up and up and up. Really? And Yes. And people are like, what, what happened to the normal person, the normal immigrant who decided to, to to settle in Santa Fe? Now we can't afford to live here anymore. Because of property taxes. Right, and because those else. adobe structures are very expensive to work on. But they sure are To beautiful. find traditional materials, yeah. It's a real question. It's a hardship for people that live there. But if you, they want Santa Fe to be authentic so that if you, John, travel there, you feel like you're going back in time. Fascinating. Hey, thanks for being with us. The podcast is running a few minutes after we leave the air. Check us out online. The Ride Home with John and Kathy is everywhere. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Salem Media Group. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.